Jesus has changed my whole life. Can you say that tonight? Oh, oh if anybody asks you just who I am, why don't you tell them, oh, I am and redeem. Sing it one more time with all your heart. Oh, yes, I am redeemed. Oh, I've been bought with a price. Jesus, you've changed my whole life. Oh, if anybody asks you just to, don't you tell them I am redeemed. Amen. Do you believe that tonight? Let's bow our heads together. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to be in your house one more time and to thank you for that redemption power that only you could give, that you placed within us, Lord, to change our nature, to change what we were, and to transform us into sons and daughters of God. We would not be conformed to this world, but that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, would you do that tonight? Lord, just continue to renew our mind by your word. We thank you for it. Well, Lord, I pray that we would accept it, that there would be no spirit of rebellion or spirit of fear or, or something that would keep us from wholly embracing your word, but, Lord, that we would believe that it is you, Lord, that is speaking to us tonight. We ask it and we pray. Lord, if there's one that's sick among us, I pray you'd heal them. Lord, give us everything that we have need of, and we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor, we pray. Jesus' name, amen, amen. I sure appreciate that song, I Am Redeemed. Tell them, I am redeemed, amen. We're going to read from Genesis chapter 49, verse 27, and then Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 12. This will be our final installment of the uh, series on... Uh, the family curse, breaking the family curse on the tribe of Benjamin. I trust that you've gotten something out of this, but we're going to review these scriptures, Genesis 49, 12, 27, Deuteronomy 33 and 12, and then also we're, we'll read Romans 11 and 1. That's a new scripture, Romans 11 and 1, Genesis 49, 27, Deuteronomy 33, 12, and Romans 11 and 1. I'll give you a minute to get there. I was trying to preach without my monitor tonight, so my voice cutting out a little bit. I'm trying to get used to it. I got to go overseas and do without that stuff. And, and uh, we, we're going to Egypt, and we just got the books printed. But Joel, I forgot to show you the picture. We got the books printed over there, and and uh, so thank God for that. Uh, the word is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And I believe the word of the hour is is powerful. It it'll do something and. If we can just get it in the language of the people and then uh, let the word come to them. And then also, as we said Sunday with the, with the fivefold ministry and how God uses that to, uh, to uh, expose the word to the people, to bring it to them. And how will we hear without a preacher? And so 
that's what we want to do tonight. We believe that God wants to uh, open the word to us, but to do that, we have to be receptive to the word. It doesn't do us any good to sit here or to stand here tonight unless we're receptive to what we're reading. So when we read, we're reading now the word of God. Genesis 49 and 27, it said, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. So this was the birth path that Benjamin was born under. This was what they were destined, if you could say it that way, to do and to be. And then in Deuteronomy 33, 12, we see another birth path for Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. The Lord shall cover him all the day long, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. And then I like Romans 11 and 1, where Paul is coming back and he's explained how that uh, the true circumcision is by faith. And that's how we're circumcised from the flesh is by faith. And, but he comes back in Romans 11, he said, I say then, hath God cast away his people? He said, God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, God saved me. God changed me. If he can change me, he can, he can bring Deuteronomy 33:12 out of what was Genesis 49:27. Amen. That's the story of our life, isn't it? Amen. God bless you. You could be seated. Pray for that at the end of the service, a prayer request. You know, there was something in the tribe of Benjamin, as we've talked about it, that God could use. But if left unchecked, it would become destructive. And I think that's true of any of us there's something about your nature uh, that God can use but he don't want to leave you like you are because every one of us came to the earth born in sin shapen in iniquity and so God can't use us just like we are there has to be a, uh, a transformation that takes place whether we like it or not though God makes us who we are for a purpose he made us, Brother Billy made you, and he made Sister Karen, he made me. Uh, he made each one of us the way that we are, and, and, and there's value in that. I don't want to, uh, you to think that, well, God just has to change my personality. He's got to change everything about me, but what he actually does is he makes us a new creature, but that new creature is not a complete destruction of the old. And you'll find that taught if you go back and listen to the sermon, A Future Home of the Heavenly Bridegroom and the, and, and the Earthly Bride. You'll find that Brother Branham teaches us that the earth was an attribute of God. How many know that tonight? The earth is an attribute of God. And so if the earth is an attribute of God, he said, you're a part of the earth. Your, your body is made up of the dust of the earth. And so you, therefore, are an attribute of God. More than just the, the, the there's a seed of God within you spiritually, but, you, but you're an attribute of God. And so God doesn't destroy his attributes. But what does he do? He, he comes and he remakes it. He, he burns up the atmospheres of it. What did God do to you and for you, Brother JT, when he saved you? He didn't just uh, do away with JT. He didn't take away the way you uh, necessarily, the way you said words. And he, he didn't turn you into a tall, dark, and handsome individual. But what did he do to JT? He took the atmospheres of your life and he burned it up. 
Right, and that's what needs to happen to us. That's yeah. how you break the family curse. That's how you be, that's how you become something different. What, what God actually intended for you to be in the first place. Yeah. So He doesn't take Gabe and make him something different, but He makes Gabe the way He wants him to be. Right, without the without all these curses that come in the family, without all the the hindrances of the past, without all the without all the years and years that Satan has worked maybe in your family to try to make it a certain way, and God will bring it back to what it's supposed to be. Amen. And one day we'll be in a body that's the way it's supposed to be, not just a, not just this, but even that body. It won't be something different. It'll be you, the way you were meant to be. Are you with me tonight? So I want us to find value in who we are and yet realize that we must be born again in order to become who he wants us to be. He don't want us to be cookie cutters and all be copies of someone else. He don't want me as a preacher, as a pastor, to be a copy of somebody else. He wants me to be me. He wants you to be you. Right? He wants you to be who he called you to be, who he made you to be, who was in his mind for you to be before the foundation of the earth. But Satan has come and corrupted through the fall and done all of these things, but he's bringing you back out of time into eternity again. Now, he's transforming us back to his original purpose. He's destroying, he destroys the atmosphere of sin in your life, and he actually remakes you into a new creature. He calls it a new creature, a new creation, but it is you. It's just. It, it's just in. Uh, he, he takes the uh, the same person and he makes a new person. Now, when he does that, many times we get confused because we begin to think, well, you say, brother Ben, I I thought I was saved, and then I did something after I got saved, or after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I did something that reminds me of who I used to be. <laughs> How many of you have done that? We've all, we can all be honest and say, I've done things that remind me. Maybe I, I don't smoke or drink anymore. I don't do drugs. I don't do those things. But yet at some point, I, I did something. I said, oh, God. And quickly I repented. But I thought, I, 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 you know, that here, I, I, that's who my family is. That's not me. That, that, that's not who you made me to be. And so I think, and many times people come and they'll say, well, I thought I got saved. I thought I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Young people do this. They'll come to an altar and, and, and be just full of the Holy Ghost and leave. And, and then they'll go out and, and they'll find themselves attracted to the wrong thing or, or there'll be a wrong spirit come on them. And they'll repent of it, but they, they, there's shame that comes with it because, it, well, I, I thought I was different. But see, he, you still have the same things that you have to deal with. Right? You, you still have the same weaknesses in many ways. But now there's a control tower there. Now there's a man running the ship. Now you're not wandering uh, across the ocean by yourself. But there's a captain in the ship. So now's the time that you can call on God and say, God, I know you're in charge. <laughs> so we shouldn't get discouraged when we act like a Pruitt. And you put your own family name in there. Right? And yet we should not make that the standard. Are you with me now? But we're called to the scripture. We're called to be the word. Right? So, we, so he's making us that. Now, with, there's nine spiritual gifts that is given to the church. And this is kind of teaching tonight, but just to kind of wrap these things up and, and, and hopefully be done tonight. 
But there's nine spiritual gifts that are given to the church, and those gifts are the ability to do something, right? To speak in tongues or, or different gifts that are given to the church to prophesy, and those are spread through the church. But then we also find other gifts that are given in Ephesians 4.11 that are specific men called to specific places for a specific work. And I want to show you how God uses who you are he doesn't destroy that, but then he comes and transforms it. And, and that's what he did with the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 4 and 7 says, Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So we all have a measure of the gift of Christ. The gift is Christ. But we all have a measure, some, a certain amount of ability that he, that he gives us. He, he makes us a certain way. Wherefore he saith, When he ascended up on high, led captivity captive, he gave gifts unto men. Now watch, now he gives gifts to men and then he gives gifted men. Yeah. Right? There, there are some men that these are predestined offices. And I'm going to show you where Brother Branham makes the difference between that and the nine spiritual gifts. He said he gives some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So if we pass the need for that, then we pass the need for edification. Yeah. Right? So as long as we need edified, we need the ministry. So God said in the church, Brother Branham said, now there's nine spiritual gifts goes in each local body, which is tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecies, and so forth. But there is five predestinated offices of the church, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. That's what God set in the church he said the Holy Spirit, he said that's an office. The Holy Spirit might fall on one tonight and speak in tongues and the other give the prophecy and so forth. And then next night it might be on somebody else and somebody else like that. He said that's local gifts in the body to keep us straight. So we need those gifts to keep us straight. He said, but in the church alone, five offices. Apostles means missionaries, apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. God sets those in the church. He said, now let's believe with all of our heart, I love this, that through these ministering gifts that the great God of heaven will send Christ. Amen. That's how he works. He sends us gifts. He said, and through these ministering gifts that he would send Christ among us tonight, not that we'll see the man, the gift, but that we'll see Jesus. Right? If you get a gift, you think of the giver. Yes. Right? You're not, it's to make you think of the giver. That's why they say it's the thought that counts. Because it's the giver that you're thinking of. And that's what we want to do. Now, again, he said, as we know, there's local gifts of nine gifts in the church, but there's offices of the church. And God, he said, that's predestinated or foreordained. God has said in the church apostles, then prophets and teachers, pastors, evangelists, and so forth. That's God's gift set in the church. He said, then there is nine spiritual gifts that operate in the local body. I feel like I can't hear myself. I know I probably can, Brother Joel, but he said there is nine spiritual. That's what you get when you get all this technology. You get used to it. He said there is nine spiritual gifts that operate in the local body of believers. He said they must be checked by two or three judges before they're given to the church. Now, this is very important because we don't just let someone come in here and begin to prophesy Right, or begin to, begin to speak in tongues in, in, with tongues interpretation. You understand a person can speak in tongues quietly in prayer, and I would have no problem with that. But if a person would speak in tongues in the midst of the congregation, 
you would wait on an interpretation, but really that should be judged first. Right? Because before it's given to the church, because sometimes they could be wrong. He's, but then he goes and he talks about prophets. He said, notice these prophets, they were born. He said in Jeremiah, God said, before you was even conceived in your mother's womb, I ordained you a prophet over the nations. Moses was born a prophet. John the Baptist, 712 years before he was born, he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Isaiah the prophet speaking of him, he said, see, these gifts are born gifts. Now he's not just talking about a prophet. He said, these are predestinated gifts, born gifts. If you're a minister in the fivefold ministry, you were born a minister. Right, Your mama might not have thought you was one. Your daddy might not have thought you was one. But you were born that way. Right, You couldn't help it. That's right. Now, the Bible tells us the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So Paul understood this. Now, as we pick up the story of Paul, he understood after his conversion that God had called him to be who he was before his conversion. So... He knew that he, he had nothing to do with that. God had already called him to be an apostle. And see, God needed who Paul was. I want you to understand this tonight. And, and you're not going to understand this from the Baptist church or the Methodist church. Nothing against them. But we understand this by the message of the hour. You're a gene of God. You're a thought of God. God thought about you and he made you the way he wanted you. Right? And, and maybe... What he made you, and so you think of yourself right now, and you say, well, God must have made me imperfectly, but that's not what God made you. He made what you could be. He put in you. He doesn't, he doesn't make the fruit tree, the apple tree, immediately an apple tree, but he makes a seed, and within it is the ability to be an apple tree. And then in the, when it's put in the right atmosphere, it'll grow and produce apples. Right? And so God puts something in you, and, and that's something he wants to be expressed in a certain way. And so with Paul, we could say it like this. He could say, God has not cast away his people. God needed his people. Yes. Yeah. Now think about this as it relates to the Israelites for a moment. God needed Benjamin. Yeah. Yes. See, he needed Benjamin to be that protector. And we went into it how that Benjamin would be there in the millennium. Right? And be the protector of the king. You remember that? Benjamin would be the protector of the king. The scripture says that in the millennium. So he's looking all the way down there. See, God's looking past what's going on right now. Are you hearing me tonight? He's looking past what's going on right now. He said, well, I'm sitting on a Wednesday night in church, and I feel like, you know, things just aren't going like I thought they would go. But God's looking past what's going on right now. Maybe he needed a mother. Maybe he needed a housewife. Maybe he needed a carpenter. Maybe he needed a factory worker. He needs you. Right? He needs you. He needs you to be here. God could have done it any way he wanted to, but he uses people to do it. So God needed Paul, and he needed him to be born in Tarsus, and he needed him to be raised a certain way, and he needed him to be a Benjamite. Are you with me now? God don't do anything by accident. But not only did God need Paul, but God needed Joel. He needed him to be born a certain place. Are you with me now? God needed you. Not just the ministry, and we'll get to that in just a moment, because, but the ministry ordained to a certain thing. But so are you. God needed you. He needed a Benjamite. He needed somebody who would be a protector of the word. But he don't need a ravening wolf. He don't need a persecutor. So, oh my. So he drops down 
when the time is right into Paul's life. <laughs> and Paul thought he had a pretty good career going on. He thought he was a pretty good Pharisee. He thought he was a pretty good man. He thought he was everything he was supposed to be. But God dropped down into his life. Do you remember the moment when God dropped down into your life? There come a day when God dropped down into your life and all of a sudden he changed what you were to what you could be. And he began to do a work in your life. He began to do a work in Paul's life. And so Paul could, would go on from that moment and he recognized that God did this. I am what I am by the grace of God as we read to you, I believe, last Wednesday night. I am what I am by the grace of God. So we find whenever Paul would introduce himself to the people in his letters, let's look at how he would do that. He said it this way in Romans. He said, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, yeah. called to be an apostle, yeah. separated under the gospel of God. Right. Oh, called and separated. Yeah. In 1 Corinthians 1, he said, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Yeah. And Sosthenes, our brother. Again, in 2 Corinthians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Notice how he, he keeps reminding them. I don't think he's just reminding them. But he's reminding himself. Paul, you were a Pharisee. Paul, you were Saul of Tarsus. You were a persecutor of the church. How did he get past that? See, the great thing to me about Paul is not so much that the people would ever accept him. Because the people saw that Jesus had done something in his life. But the hardest thing, how would he ever accept it? Right, but Brother Brown said he spent three and a half years in Arabia comparing the experience that he had with the Word. Yes. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah. And when he got done, oh my, that's what we need the experience, but we need to spend some time, take some Wednesday nights and compare the experience we have with the Word. Yes. And so he spends three and a half years in Arabia comparing his experience with the Word. And then what, what does he do? He comes back and he knows God did this. I couldn't do it by myself. I couldn't make myself an apostle. I couldn't make myself a preacher. So I can have confidence so he's not like Saul. Remember, Saul was always worried. Somebody's going to take my position. Somebody's going to usurp me. Somebody's going to take over the kingship. Paul don't have to be like that. He said whether they preach of strife or whatever, he said some preach wanting to add affliction to my bonds. He said, but nevertheless, Christ is preached. Why can Paul be like that? Why can he stand there in Philemon and say, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ? Why can he do that? Because he knows he's bound to do this. It wasn't him that did it. It was God that did it. Are you with me tonight? He knows it had to be predestined by God. I, hope we, we would, I wish we would get a revelation of that. And we wouldn't spend all, so much time worrying. Him. Well, maybe I'll miss the rapture. Maybe I'll... No, God called you to something. Huh? Maybe we need to remind ourselves <laughs> when we write a letter. Benjamin, the seed of God. Are you with me? Huh? Luella, the seed of God. The bride of Jesus Christ. The elect of the hour. That'll break that curse off of you, thinking, oh, my family, well, I'm the least of, of the tribe of Benjamin. I, I, I come from the least family. And then you get all worried and self-conscious about what you're doing. Oh, God, let, I pray that you would break that off of us tonight. And we would begin to step forward and say, I am what God made me. I can do what God says I can do. Are you with me tonight? And it's not some Joel Osteen thing where he, and I called his name, but 
But, you know, the man that would stand up there and just, we, we got the, that satellite radio and he's always on there and Peter will turn him on because he, <laughs> he likes to hear that, I guess. And he'll sit there and just, just chuckle, you know, and, and just concentrate. You're called, you're, you're the elect of God, you're, but he's right. But see, Paul went, took his experience. Yeah. Number one, he had a real experience. And then two, he took his experience, compared it with the word. Yeah. And then he could have confidence. He's not just saying it. He's not just standing up there and saying, you're elected, you're called, you're chosen. But he's standing there and saying, I'm elected, I'm called, I'm chosen. Because God said I was. God came down in my life. I've seen the pillar of fire. I met God on the backside of the desert in a burning bush. I've had an experience with God. Are you with me now? Paul, an apostle by the will of God. Galatians, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. And God the Father who raised him from the dead. Ephesians 1 and 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Oh, my to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. First Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Paul, I'm going to show you what you're going to do. I'm not going to give you an option because you wouldn't pick you to do it. You'd pick somebody else. The church wouldn't have picked Paul. Paul wouldn't have picked Paul. But God chose Paul. And so Paul has to come out and say, I'm an apostle, not by the commandment of man, but by the commandment of God. Huh. I didn't take my position because I got all the men in the message to agree this was the, you would be a good pastor of that church. You'd be good. No, I am what I am by the grace of God. You are what you are by the grace of God. We don't bring people through a, a, some kind of a, 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 a place, a, a cemetery, as Brother Branham calls it, a seminary where we begin to uh, graduate them out and then we pick a church for them. That's not what we do in the message of the hour. What do we do? We watch a man's life and, and we see what's going on with him and how he struggles and what he does and, 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 and how, he, how, he, how he ministers and what his ministry is. You watch it and it becomes self-evident. And through the, uh, the fire, you throw him in the fire and see what he does. And through the fire of life, it produces something in his life where he can become a pastor, become a leader. Are you with me now? Or become an evangelist. There's nothing special in that sense about the pastor. It could be any of these five gifts. Or for that matter, any member of the bride. Yeah, sure. You don't just become a deacon because I said you were one. You don't just become a, 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 a prayer warrior because I said you were one. You become that through the fires of life. And God works that in your life until that's the gift that begins to manifest in your life. You understand? You went through the fire of life. And it was revealed there was gold in there. Oh, my. Amen. That ought to give us confidence to do whatever job we've been called to. I can look at you and say, I think you're a good deacon. I think, you're, I think we have wonderful deacons. I'm so glad to see what God's doing among us. But I think we have wonderful song leaders. But I can't just look at you and say, this is what you're going to be. You've got to be called to that. On some level. And again, not all those gifts are predestined gifts. Sometimes God could use you for a while. And then set you down. But these predestined gifts are born that way. You understand? Now, so that's why a deacon is not necessarily a lifelong thing. Although for Brother Danny, <laughs> it's approaching that. But it's not necessarily a, a life sentence. Right? Because you might be called to that for a season. 
right? But a minister of the gospel, if he's an evangelist, if he's a pastor now, his, his ministry may change, but the gift that he has was always there. Whatever he was ultimately meant to be was always there. So he, he says, I'm an, I'm an apostle by the will of God, by the commandment of God. He said, Paul is servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. Well, I love that. And the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. So God called me to be this. And so he was adamant, again, and we've been over this, but in Galatians he was adamant that his gospel was not from man, not even from himself. He said, I didn't make this up. See, if you made up your gospel, then your gospel is only as strong as you are. And if you can't change your body, I don't want to hear a made-up gospel that you made up. Huh? Because you can't, you can't change it, who you are. But this, this gospel will change our bodies one day. How will it do that? If I made it up, it's not going to happen. But if I believe the word... Hey man, one day it's going to change my body. Right. I believe in a supernatural God. Yes. Right, who has a supernatural word. Right. And so Paul said, I didn't make it up. I didn't get it from just myself. Right. And he said, he uses the, the reason for that. He says, because you know what I was. He said, you have heard of my conversation or my lifestyle in time past in the Jews' religion. Yeah. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace. See, this isn't about us. It's not about, well, I figured it out. I made it up. No. Paul said, I didn't figure it out. I didn't make it up. But it, the revelation I got matched the word. Because God, it pleased God to reveal his son in me supernaturally. That I might preach him among the heathen immediately. I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again into Damascus. What was it? To compare his experience with the word. Amen. Because God's, the true experience will always compare with the word. And but so he got it from God. He said I didn't get it from myself. It's important. Salvation doesn't come from us. Right. It comes from God. Right. Paul was always an apostle. He just didn't know it. Huh? But now, see, then after he realizes it, now he can't boast about being one. Yeah. Right? Because he is the proverbial turtle on a fence post. Right? The turtle's on the fence post. He can't, he, he didn't get there by himself. He can't climb there. Nothing he can do to get there. Oh, my. That's the way we are, church. That's the position we stand in today. By the grace of God, I, I can't make myself a believer. I can't make you a believer. But I'm here. I believe, and you believe. Why? Because God placed us here and put within us something that could believe. Now, Again, he couldn't boast about it. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, Though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, he said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. So it's not that I want to. I, I can't not. Right? I'm afraid to not preach. 
That's why you won't tell a real God-called man that not to preach anymore. Not to stand in the pulpit and preach. You can't tell a God-called man that. Right? He'll find somewhere to preach. Because there's something inside of him. He, don't, he said, if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. Some of us are not very willing to preach. Are we, Brother Allen? Some of us are not willing. But if we do it willingly, he said, you, there's a reward for that. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. So he's saying, I was the only one who could do it. That's where you want to be. In a place that God creates for you, that you're the only one that fits that place. You understand you're the only one that fits in that marriage. You're not replaceable. You with me? You're the only one that fits right where you do in the church. You're not replaceable. That's why we don't hop around, jump from place to place and pillar to post. We're not replaceable. Are you with me? And again, God may call you to a certain season, to a certain thing, and move you, but you'll fit where you are. You belong somewhere. Because you're in the mind of God. God don't do anything haphazardly. And so you sit there and you worry, oh, am I doing what, uh, am, am, I, am I able to do anything? I, I'm just useless in the church. You're never useless. You're here for a reason. Huh? You're here for a reason. I... Excuse me for digressing tonight, but we'll get over it. I've got six minutes left is what I've got on here, but it may be a few more minutes than that. But we, uh, you know, every person in this church, there's a, there's a reason for you, right? There's a reason. There's a purpose for you. It matters. It matters that you're here. And I, I don't mean just necessarily in the building, although that matters too, but it matters that you're in the church, it matters that you're a part of the church. Even the little ones, it matters. Yes. Wyatt's sitting over there and Jason and Melody and the, the other young ones that sit and the young ones in the back and the ones that, that come, it matters that they're in the church. right? It matters that Millie's in the church and the ones that have joined us and, and several of you weren't here two years ago when we come and it's been two years now uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, I believe it's been two years uh, since I've been the pastor here. And during that time, a lot of things have changed and several of you are new, but it matters that you're here. What would we do? I think so many times of different ones and think, what would I do without uh, Brother Danny or Brother Harvey or, or Brother Gabe or, or, or Brother Joel or, or, or any one of you that are sitting here? And I don't want to leave any of you out because some of you don't do much in the actual service. What would I do without Brother Harold? I think, what would I do without Brother Harold being here? And, and, and I think about that, and I think, God, you put him here. And, and, and there must be a reason why he's here. Right? And what would I do without Sister Fritz back there? And she's expressed to me before she don't want to be where she's not doing anything because she's always done something for the gospel. And she feels useless when she's not working. And so she wants to print my address labels and do things and, and do things for me in the church. And I thank God for that. But that's not what makes you useful, Sister Fritz. It's the fact that you're here. It shows us that, uh, that there's a dedication in your heart. I think about the story someone told. There's a, they said this, this lady that was deaf, she went to church and she never heard a thing. And they asked her, they said, why do you bother going to church? You can't hear. And she said, but I just want the devil to know which side I'm on. Right. Yes, <laughs> so it matters that you're here. It matters. Don't let the devil beat you up and say, well, I, I come from a bad family. I, I've come through a hard time. I, I've been through many struggles, and it don't matter. It seems like nobody ever notices me. But God notices you. 
He sees you and you have a reward for doing what God wants you to do. Are you with me now? And so, but, but now to Paul, he said there was a dispensation placed to me. I couldn't help but be who I am. I've got to do what you've called me to do. How many ever felt like that? I didn't necessarily want to be in this message, but God called me to this message. I can't do anything different than this message. Are you with me now? I, this word is who I am. It's part of me. It's predestined. Other people don't understand that, but it's predestined to me. Amen. I'm just preaching to you tonight, but just now... So Paul says, Where is my, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel without charge. And so Paul would do extra things. He'd make tents and give the money back to the church. Even though he goes through a list and says the ministry should live by the offering. But he does that because he don't want to abuse his power in the gospel. And we've been over that. But he does, and he does that though so because he feels like I want a reward. And I can't get a reward for being an apostle because God made me an apostle. Are you with me now? Jeremiah experienced the same thing in Jeremiah 20 and 9. Jeremiah took a lot of heat for preaching what he preached. Because every one of Jeremiah's sermon was, sermons was hellfire and brimstone. It was. He got up. He was the weeping prophet. He got up and preached. The Babylonians are coming. You just need to surrender. And they actually threw him in jail over it. And they persecuted him over it. But guess what? He was right. But Jeremiah stood there because he said, you've sinned and the, and the Babylonians are coming. And he, he said, okay, I'm not going to preach anymore. He said, I'll not make mention of him nor speak anymore in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing. I could not stay. God did that. God made you who you are. Not because you wanted to or you willed it or you made it up. God pulled you and dragged you and pushed you and propped you up and set you on the fence post. And here he is. <laughs> Amen. Who set the city on the hill? You ever think about that? I didn't until just now. Who set the city on a hill? God did. He said a city set on a hill can't be hid. Why is the city on a hill? <laughs> God put them on a hill. <laughs> Amen. God put them on a hill. God puts you where you are to shine in the age that you're in. Are you with me now? God did that. Brother Branham tells us in Things That Are To Be, it's a very uh, common quote, and you've heard me say it many times, but he said, in my father's house is many kinds of mansions. He said, I don't believe that when we get to heaven we'll be just everybody look just exactly alike. I don't believe that we'll all be blondes or brunettes or little or big or giants. Now, Brother Monroe Champion, if you're listening tonight, Brother Monroe, God bless you. I'm glad. And maybe, maybe he would listen sometime, and I know he's told me he has, but Brother Monroe was a good friend of mine, but Brother Monroe had a doctrine or an idea. He believed his faith was that he was going to be six foot tall and have blonde hair and be perfect weight and, and proportioned and everything like that when he gets over there. So that's what it's the often he looked like. And I had a problem with that. Because I think God made me perfect. <laughs> In his eyes. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, but we are perfect in God's eyes. But that'd be wonderful if you think, well, uh, but the thing is, I told him, I said, you know, you and me would look exactly alike. <laughs> if we got over there, you couldn't even tell. God's a God of variety. He don't want us to look exactly alike. 
So when we get there, we're not going to be a bunch of robots. Right? And all looking and acting and all have the same personality. Wouldn't that be dull? See, when you get to heaven, you're still going to have your personality. Brother Harvey's going to be taking water bottles and saving them. And <laughs> you're still going to be you. Right? <laughs> Brother David's still going to be a fireball. Some of y'all are going to, you're still going to be you. Do you understand tonight? You're still going to be you. I'm still going to be me. Praise God. <laughs> but we'll be a perfect version of that. Thank God. He said, I believe God is a God of variety. The world proves that. He's got big mountains, little mountains. He's got plains. He's got deserts. He's got different things because he made it the way he wanted it. And he made the seasons summer, winter, spring, autumn. He made the seasons. It shows he's a God of variety. He made you in a variety. Amen. Some men are real blusterous. Some are real dogmatic. Others are fine, he said. Others are kind. You just find all different kinds of people in his kingdom. And he talks about how you can't compare Peter to Andrew. And we have went over that, how different they were in their makeup. And then he talked about Paul and how scholarly that he was and how he thought differently than these others. But God made him that way. God wanted him that way. Notice he said many mansions, many kinds of mansions, like many kinds of hills, many kinds of rivers, springs, lakes. They were here when you come here first because the kindness, amen, of your heavenly father placed them here. He talked about mountains and rivers and plains, and he said, God unloaded his mortar box for me. He said, so I could have mountains, but other men would look at that and say, he said, it's just two different natures, but we'll both be in heaven, right? He said, but the Father knew that you would be here. Well, here's the important part. He said, and prepared everything for you before you got here. He said, amen, your first coming here, he had it ready for you when you got here. That's how predestined you are. Just how predestined am I? Well, the world was prepared for you. Before you got here. Hallelujah. God made Hardy, Arkansas, or wherever it is that, that you found contentment and, and, and lived in your life, God made that for you. Are you hearing me now? The kindness of your heavenly father put it here. He said, the Father knew that you would be here and prepared everything for you before you got here. He had it ready for you when you got here. And so we find then that not all of us fit into Ephesians 4.11 because those are predestined gifts, men who are gifts in the body. But all of us do fit into Romans 8.28 where he said, all things, someone say all things. All things work together, even your family background. Amen, that's included in all. Even your genes, even the, even the wars, even the struggles, amen. Even the trials, oh, we ought to worship a God like that. Even the struggles of life, he made you that way. Amen. We are the called, we are all called for a purpose. He said that for them that love God, to them we're the called according to his purpose. Brother Branham speaks again of prophets. He said, the man who's seen the vision or heard his voice never altogether understood it. Many cases he didn't know. Now that's scriptural. Because he's just an instrument of God. It's God's thoughts expressed through a man's lips. Moses said, there'll be a prophet like me. He may not even know what he was talking about. David said, my hands are pierced. My hands and feet, they pierced. 
He didn't even know what he was. He thought he was talking about himself. They, they rent my garments. He didn't know why he was saying it. That's what Brother Branham taught us. He said he, it's God's thoughts expressed through man's lips because a thought is a word expressed. God does his own choosing by his predestinated choosing. He'd done it in every age. He set forth the man for each age. He said like when Moses, when he was to fulfill what he told to Abraham, Moses was born a proper child. Can I have a few more minutes tonight? Sorry, I, I just I need to finish this and be done with it. He said he was born that way because he was born for that purpose. And so we find out that God does that in every age. Watch. God does his own choosing by his own predestinated choosing, chooses prophets and things for the age, fixes his nature, the man's nature, the man's style of preaching on their gift and all that he does just to meet the challenge of that day. Oh, my. God, that's why Paul and Brother Branham were so similar in their approach, but yet so different. Right? Because Paul was called to the first church age. Brother Branham was called to the last church age. You've had different pastors, different men in different areas. They're different. Right? God calls a man to, to meet the challenge of that time. You can say the challenge of that church. Are you with me now? Not that you're a challenge to me, but the, you understand the ministry itself is a challenge. Satan is challenging us today. So, but God calls a man to that challenge. So it doesn't do me any good to whine about it and gripe about it. Oh, I'm preaching to myself now. Oh, like Moses, all oh, the people, the people, you know. All oh, these people, they just murmur and complain. But then when God said, okay, I'll just do away with them. He said, Lord, take me instead. <laughs> the people, you know, are, are, can be a challenge. The place can be a challenge, but God called you to it. Your family might be a challenge. But God called you to that challenge. Your marriage might be a challenge. But God called you to that challenge. Are you with me now? He didn't, not a, he didn't call you to meet an enemy that you can't fa defeat. I shouldn't have put that in marriage together. But, <laughs> but he didn't call you to a challenge that you couldn't win. Are you hearing me tonight? But God creates the man and sent him. He said, and in his own mind, he said, we are a germ of the gene of God. He knew that man would be there at that age. He knew that man would be there at that age before there ever was a molecule or a light or anything else in the earth. And so it's not just preachers, because he goes on to say, then if you are a son of God, how many sons of God do we have? Or a daughter of God, how many daughters of God do we have? To meet the challenge of this hour. He said, manifested son or daughter of God. He said, he knew what bed and time you'd be planted. You were in God all the time. He knew what bed and time you were planted. But now you're made a creature, a son of God, manifested son or daughter of God to meet the challenge of this hour that vindicates the true and living God of this hour. Yeah. Glory. The message that's coming forth in this time. God don't do things like we do. He needed Paul to be born in Tarsus. And I'll just go over these things quickly before we close. He needed Paul to be born in Tarsus, a city that had a Roman arena in it. Think about it. He couldn't be born in Jerusalem. He had to be trained in Jerusalem, but he couldn't be born there. You say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. He couldn't be born there because he would say things like this. He'd say, he'd say run the race with patience. He said runners that run in a race, he said they, 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 they strip aside everything. They lay aside every weight. 
Why do we have those scriptures? Because Paul was born close enough to a Roman arena that he could see it. I keep under my body, bring it under subjection, a boxing metaphor. Because here was a young man that had, was educated and, and wealthy enough he could go to the games. We, miss, we, we don't understand God sometimes. He needed him to be a Roman citizen. Because he had to go stand in front of Caesar. And one of the most wicked rulers that's ever been. Can you imagine what he must have felt like, Brother David? One day, that Nero had seen a lot of things. He was one of the most wicked men that's ever lived. And he stood there that day. And Paul, oh my, here comes this little Jew in front of him. He said, what's this man doing here? Well, he's a Roman citizen. And every Roman citizen has a right to stand before Nero and get his head chopped off. But that's why they couldn't crucify him. Because he was a Roman citizen. They couldn't crucify citizens. So he had a right to stand there. Because God, for some reason, Nero won't have an excuse. The man who... Oh God. Thank God's not merciful. He chose to have the gospel preached to the man who took Christians, put oil and tar on them and put them up as torches in his garden. And God sent Paul to that man. He said, Brother Ben, you're wasting your time preaching to those people. You're wasting your time preaching to that person, trying to reach that person. God sent Paul to preach to him. He had to preach to Nero. Amen. In Acts chapter 21 and verse 37, this is kind of how it came about, that he would end up in Rome because they would have killed him right there. The Jews wanted to kill him. And, and so there was a, a great chaos going on. They were trying to kill him, and the Romans come and got him, the soldiers. And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said to the chief captain, he said, may I speak unto thee? He said, can you speak Greek? He didn't expect him to be able to. How, why could he speak Greek? Because he was raised in Tarsus. <laughs> he said, are, are you not that Egyptian? Which made an uproar and led out in the wilderness 4,000 men that were murderers. It's funny how people... They get the Joel Osteens and the Benny Hens, but they don't ever see the truth. <laughs> and this man missed Jesus. And he said, you're that Egyptian. Because there was an Egyptian that come before Jesus that made an uproar and led into the wilderness 4,000 men that were murderers. But all they see is the false. That's what the world sees. But Paul said, I'm a man which am a Jew of Tarsus. A city in Cilicia. He, that's who he was. He wasn't denying who he was. He said a citizen of no mean city. I come from a big city. may not look like it. I may be ragged and, and beaten and bloody, but I come from a big city. I come from Tarsus. A citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. And when he had given him license... Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with the hand of the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them, now in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear my defense which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue, he had to be born in Tarsus, he had to be raised in Jerusalem. He spent eight years under Gamaliel. He spoke Hebrew. Oh, my. They kept the more silence. They listened to him because he spoke to them in their own tongue. God calls his man for a reason. He said, I'm verily a man which am a Jew. Again, he reminds them, I'm a Jew. 
I was born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as you all are this day. But I challenge you to go and read the rest of the chapter because Brother Branham said every time Paul gets in a tight spot, he goes back to his conversion. Because being born in Tarsus could only go so far. Being born in Cilicia could only go so far. Being taught at the feet of Gamaliel would only gain you so much favor. But he said, I didn't stop there. Amen. He said, I was taught. I knew the law. But the law couldn't make a change in my life. The law couldn't change a Benjamite. The law couldn't make me into what God wanted me to be. But I met God one day on the Damascus Road. How many can say amen to that tonight? I met God. He said, I was just like you. I was zealous toward God. Amen. Notice how he used who he was to appeal to them, and yet he could not place confidence in who he was or what he had learned. He told them about his conversion. Amen. He told them about the supernatural. If you don't believe in the supernatural, you're in a sorry shape because any idea can be talked out of you. He comes, always comes back to the supernatural, the pillar of fire that appeared to him. He said, finally, my brethren, in Philippians 3.1, rejoice in the Lord. This is at the end now of his life. He said, to write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. I, I hate preaching the same thing over and over. And sometimes I feel like I, I tell you the same things, read the same scriptures. And Paul said, it's, it's, he said it, it's easy for me to do that. He said, but for you it, it's safe. In other words, you need to hear it. Yeah, sure. You need to be reminded, rejoice in the Lord. How many times did he say that? Yes. <laughs> He told him, he said, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. The dogs he was speaking of was the Judaizers. That's right. Beware of the concision, those who would separate themselves from the body. He said, for we are the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence. This is where I'm closing this evening. You have no confidence in the flesh. See, God made me who I am, but that's not where I put my confidence. Are you with me now? Whether I had a good home or a bad home, that's not where I put my confidence. God brought me up a certain way, but I don't put my confidence in that, but I put it in a supernatural birth. Amen. He said, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. He said, you think you've got a way to trust the flesh? He said, I do. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things. Say all things. All things, all the things I've been through, all of my past, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung. He uses very strong language that I may win Christ. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. I love this, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He said, my Pharisaic law, who I was, being taught by Gamaliel, being one of the smartest men in the world, on the fast track to be the high priest. 
He said, that won't get me anywhere when it comes to a change of the body. Not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect, but I follow after. Let me say amen to this tonight. That I may apprehend that for which I also am apprehended. So he says, I'm not just sitting there and believing in, in, in fatalism. Predestination is not fatalism. There is a difference. I'm going to apprehend that for which I am apprehended. Right? So I'm pressing what he's already pressed for. Are you with me now? The cross of Christ makes me pick up my cross. They say that the Iranians have the highest level of accidents. The most accidents in the world is in Iran. And the reason for that is because they believe Allah wills all things. And so they, if they get in an accident, in a wreck, and a daughter gets killed or a son gets killed, Allah wills it. So it's fatalism. So they don't even bother to drive carefully. That's a fact. They don't bother to drive. See, we don't live like that. That I may apprehend. <laughs> I, I take, I persevere. I press. That for which also I am apprehended. I couldn't apprehend unless I was already apprehended. Unless I, he had grabbed a hold of me, I couldn't grab a hold of him to put it in Arkansas language. <laughs> Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. See, I, 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 I may apprehend. I, there's something more. A body change. Yeah. A rapture. He said, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things. Oh God. Forgetting who I was. Forgetting what I did. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth under those things which are before. I press Toward the mark. Here he's using the imagery from the running, from the races that he's seen. As, as the last moment, they would stretch out. Stretch out like a runner in baseball, diving into the base. I press toward the mark, toward the finish line, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be mature, as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Musicians, go ahead and come. We are to have no confidence in the flesh. So we, we press forward. We keep under our body. That's why Paul can understand grace like nobody else can. You get it? You see it? Paul understands grace like nobody else. Because the re he has grace, therefore he works. God couldn't have called any other man but Paul to preach the message of grace. Listen, when Paul told of his translation into the third heaven, he also let us know that something in his body wasn't right. We don't know what it was, but the Branham said it was perhaps his eyes. In other places, he talked like it wasn't. But we know he had bad eyes because he talks in Galatians about how he has to write when he writes his own letters. Many times he dictated them. But when he had to write his own letters, he had to write in big letters because he couldn't see. He had a thorn in the flesh. He asked God three times to take it away. And, and Brother Branham even dwells on that and says he, you know, he didn't, just, he didn't just say, well, it's the will of God. He asked him to take it away. And God gave him an answer. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Can we say it this way? My strength is made perfect in who, who have made you to be. 
And sometimes he allows us to be a little bit of ourselves. Are you hearing me? He lets a little bit of that family tree creep through. A little bit of that. Not, not, I'm not talking about sin now. I'm just talking about just the way we were. And, and with that kind of creeps in and we think, oh God. That, that's not what I'm supposed to be. But he wants to remind you who you are. So that the glory won't rest on you, but it'll rest on him. He said, most gladly, therefore. He said, for my grace is sufficient for, for thee. He said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. So he said, I'm going to boast about something. Not about being an apostle. <laughs> I love this. He said, I'm not going to boast about being an apostle. Or sitting under the feet of Gamaliel. Or being, he said, that's just a fact. He didn't try to hide it. It's just what, what his life was. But I'm not going to boast about that. What am I going to boast about? My weaknesses. But he wasn't out there saying, oh, I'm, I go down to the bar and drink on Friday nights. Bless God, I have grace in my life. That's not what he's saying. In spite of my eyes, or whatever it was, the thorn in the flesh, in spite of my body, in spite of being in prison, in spite of being beaten, I still pray. Believing the message, in spite of people in living a life in front of us that would turn us away from it, but we will come anyway. You're in church tonight anyway, so you don't glory in your strengths, in your gifts. But in spite of how my headache, I went to church. Are you hearing me? In spite of my struggles, in spite of my, my bank account, I still worship to God. I will glory in my infirmities. Amen. That the power of Christ may rest Upon me, therefore, I take pleasure. What an attitude. In infirmities, in reproaches. What did he do? He looked at him and said, you got a whip? Bring it on. You're going to leave me for dead? Bring it on. I take pleasure in the fact that they tried to kill me and couldn't. I take pleasure in the fact that a snake bit me, but I shook it off. Are you hearing me tonight? You're going to have to come back and listen to this again, not because I said it, but I know you're tired. I take pleasure in the fact that I'm still here. Amen. I take pleasure in necessities. I wake up in the morning, I have no idea where the bread's coming from today. But I know he's a provider. Wake up, there's sickness in my body. I'm in need. But he's always met my needs. Some of you are getting older, you know what I'm talking about. Lord, I, I, I'm rejoicing in the fact that I woke up this morning. I don't feel good, but I woke up. And I still made my way to the side of the bed and got down on my knees and began to pray. And I still came to church. And I still, as long as I'm able, I still, even though he was in jail, he still managed to write the New Testament. <laughs> when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The message shalom, Brother Branham calls that the growing pains of grace. Amen. The growing pains of grace. Would you bow your heads with me tonight? I know I put a little bit too much on the plate tonight. Tried to feed too much hay to too few cows. But if you would just, just think about what, what the Lord is trying to tell us. 
I'm not bound to be what my genes are. I'm gonna, I can apprehend because I am apprehended. I can, I can become more than my limitations. In spite of what the devil has done to me, I'm still here. I still love him. I still worship him. <laughs> He's still my, my first love. He'll always be. I glory in that because that means the power of God rests on me. That's the grace of God. And by His grace, I am what I am. Would you just think about that for a moment as we pray? Heavenly Father, maybe there's someone here the devil's tried to get at them in this way to try to make them think, well, the way I was raised and what I, what I come through, I, I can't be a real Christian. I, but Paul stood there and said, I, I persecuted the church. I didn't want to be saved. But you saved me anyway, Lord. I had no desire to serve you in this way, Lord. But you came and supernaturally changed my life and put a desire there to make me press toward the mark. So he said, I'll rejoice in that. Oh God, help us to do that tonight. Help us to rejoice in our infirmities. I know it's difficult. Paul reminded them of that over and over again. Rejoice in all things. Again, I say rejoice. He said, it's, it's necessary for me to remind you. It's good for you to be reminded. Rejoice in my infirmities because when I'm weak, I'm strong. Because I'm still here, still serving God. I pray you'd help the people, Lord, those that are watching tonight, those that are sick and in need. Lord, we have this prayer request that was put here for... Tim Andrews' dad is battling cancer. And he had surgery and put a rod in his leg bone and the mass is so large it could break the bone and they're worried about that surgery. Oh God, would you come down right now? Lord, and this little family, Tim and Shekinah, that you'd bless that family, Lord. And do something, Lord, as your presence we believe is here. Would you just do something for that family, Lord? And that, that man, Lord, would recognize that you did it. I pray you grant it today. Lord, we know that you're a healer. We know you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I pray, God, that you just move in a mighty way. Lord, in every one of our lives, as we worship you, Lord, as we go about our business, our jobs, may we recognize that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the same in our weaknesses as our strengths. Lord, you're always with us. May we not glory in our gifts, Lord, but in our weaknesses. Lord, our necessities, because we're still here, we're still fighting. We thank you for it. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Could we just worship the Lord now. Oh, I'm amazed that you love me. Let's stand together and worship Him. I'm amazed if you can stand. Oh, oh how you care. Your precious love, I found pardon. Oh my, oh, and my sins are washed. Can you say amen to that tonight? They're all washed away. All my sins are washed away. I met him on the Damascus Road. Oh, I'm amazed. Hallelujah. Oh, that you love me. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm amazed. Thank you, Father. 
speaking to us. Amen. Let's just sing just before we go. Let's sing that song, the chorus pressing on. Amen. We'll sing this this through one time and then we'll be dismissed. Be remembering the service coming up this weekend. Amen. Just be remembering the prayer requests that were mentioned from Tim's dad and, and the other requests that were mentioned. Just be praying for them as we go. But let's sing this one time through before we go. We're gonna keep pressing on on and on and on I'm gonna keep pressing on to the higher calling of my Lord. Once again, oh, we are pressing on, on and on and on, pressing on. I'm gonna keep pressing on. Free to go in the name of the Lord. Oh, we are. 